For thousands of years in spiritual traditions, people have made sounds with humming. It's fascinating and amazing to see that there's science now to show that actually calms the nervous system, that it creates openings, it creates connections for us. You have more power over your health than what you've been told. This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast. I'm Maya Acosta, and I'm passionate about finding healthy lifestyle solutions to support optimal human health. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life and increase longevity in a big way. Let's get started. We often bring into our romantic relationships past traumas and habits that can cause the couple to trigger one another. We have tendencies to point the finger at our partners and blame them for our lack of happiness and for our current pain. How can we develop a conscious relationship that is loving, that is fun and thriving? Stay tuned to learn more. Hi, I'm Maya Acosta, and this is episode 159. In this episode, we learn how to move for blaming criticized to seeing our partner as an ally. Michelle and Dean Yasuda offer relationship, life, and fitness coaching programs which are designed to support you in living your best life. Let's meet Michelle and Dean. Mm, thank you so much. So yes. happy to be here. Thanks for having us here. Yeah, I really appreciate you having us on your, your talk show. Thank, Thank you. you. I almost immediately when I first met you, which I think now we were calculating my husband and I, it's probably been about seven months, somewhere around March or April was when we reached out and had our first kind of meet and mm. greet kind of session. And even then, when I first initially met you, I said, Oh, my goodness, I would love to have them on the podcast. So we can talk about how we can offer our listeners tools like yourself in case they have, <laughs> I got thrown off the side. Yeah, yeah, I did that. Yeah. So that's okay. So anyway, I'm excited that you're here to offer us support and we can talk about the work that you have done with myself and my husband Riz as we go on through the conversation. But before we even talk about the program and what you are currently doing with individuals and couples, can we learn about what both of you individually were already doing? Dean, your background is in fitness, or at least that's what you were doing is supporting clients in fitness. And Michelle, you have a background in spiritual, is it leadership? Oh, a practitioner, like a spiritual oh, yeah. practitioner. Yeah. Yes. And Michelle, you are a spiritual practitioner. So tell us about that first, and then we can move on to the programs that you're now using. Sure. You want me to go first? Yeah. Yeah. Hi. So um, I'm Dean. Yes. And I've been a fitness professional for about 12, maybe 15 years now. And before that, I was always into some kind of fitness. And uh, what I realized throughout my years is that getting to know my clients was a lot deeper than I thought it was going to happen because eventually my clients started sharing a lot of things with me. And I'm like, are you sure you should be sharing things like this with me? <laughs> and what I found out later is that when you move your body, <laughs> mm -hmm. it releases a lot of feelings. Mm -hmm. And so working out creates this opportunity for you to, oh, you just start talking. <laughs> and some people experience fear from working out because they have these emotions and feelings, and then they get scared and don't want to work out. So our body does so much. You move it and things start coming out. So yeah, so learning that I was starting to coach people, I said, well, I'm not 
really qualified to do this. And so let me find out how I can become a better fitness and individual coach. And so mm. that was the start of the journey. And then I met Michelle. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And we actually met at a spiritual center <laughs> at a picnic and mm-hmm. of all things. And what I was getting up to back then was learning really about myself first. Mm-hmm. And I was learning how to be a space where I hold the essence of myself and others. And I was learning all about that and really learning about what I felt about the universe. Like, what is it all about? And when I met the Hendrix and when we started looking at what we entered the Hendrix world, this is Katie and Gay Hendrix through their book, Conscious Loving, which has a, a been in, I think, in print for over 40 years now. And it's an amazing transformational book. And um, we were looking for more tools. So we decided when we were, once we were together as a couple, we thought we want other couples to have as good a time as we're having. And so hmm, I wonder what kind of tools we might find. And so that's what led us to becoming coaches. And it was one yes after another and recognizing mm. this was the path for us. And mm. um, so six and a half years later, we're uh, deeply grateful for all of the tools that we've learned for our own relationship, yes. as well mm. as being able to share them with couples. And we do a lot of individual coaching as well still and really enjoy that. So, yeah. What a blessing to have met at a spiritual uh, center, which means you both were already on a path. And uh, that's what we want. Many of us want with um, when it comes to our partners. And then you found uh, that what you both had to bring to the table actually worked together. So not only are you in partnership with yourselves, but in partnership with your own practice in working together. I I like um, what Dean was talking about that. As he worked with his clients, things started to come up. Um, it's interesting when Riz and I pre-COVID would go to the yoga center nearby, we both had this overall sense of wellness. And people may say, okay, yes, I mean, everybody knows you get that when you go to yoga. But it was so much more different. It wasn't just the physical practice that I'm feeling great, I'm stretched, I'm more flexible, but it was this overall sense of like the anxiety had reduced, like there's mm. a sense of wellness inside that we both mm. were feeling. It was actually for us, it has become a spiritual practice to do yoga. It's not mm. just a physical practice. And as we uh, move on with our conversation, Dean, you'll also share with us how you have worked with with both of us. I would say specifically me in terms of how I can release some of that fear that gets me mm-hmm. stuck. Yes. And um, I was having a conversation earlier and I found myself doing this. I don't know mm. if you can actually see, but I'm putting both hands on my thighs while I'm sitting down and pressing down. And as I did it, I became aware, oh my goodness, this is what Dean talks about. Like I'm <laughs> grounding myself. I'm yes. making myself feel in a way safe without even knowing. And so I'm becoming more and more aware that our body is continuously talking to us. And we just have to know how to pay attention. Is that right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, absolutely. And to realize that actually, the wisdom that we have inside of us doesn't just come from our thinking brain. And I think that I've always been a thinker and ideas and a visionary. 
And when I first started doing more somatic practices, I realized that there was this whole rest of me that has intelligence, that has a story to tell. And uh, I started to learn how to recognize my fear responses when those came up and recognize my inner yeses and nos and recognize that through the lens of body sensations, which is something I had absolutely no idea about before meeting the Hendrix. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I've mentioned here on the podcast that I work with another transformational coach. Mm -hmm. And I've been working with her for about a year now. And it's really brought me to a place of like, I feel so much more calmer, because she has helped me to become also aware of what is happening inside of me. And also, it's always a matter of perspective as well of how we're looking at life. And now we've known you for about seven months. And Riz was the one that actually gave me the assignment to go look for someone who could mm. work with us together because he was seeing every time, and it still happens to this day, when I complete a session with Marina and he comes home, I'm like a different person. I'm lighter. I smile mm. more. I'm more relaxed. I'm more easygoing. It's the person, I guess it's who I am without all the fear. <laughs> oh, that's a good that's a great right. discovery, actually. Yes. That's a beautiful thing to presence that yes. it is. It's your essence self, which is underneath the layers of fear and the yeah. things that we, the stories we make up and all of that. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so he's the one, like I said, that sort of gave me the assignment to find someone that we both would feel comfortable working with. And so let's talk about the work that you do, because I found you, I read the description, I knew that there was a spiritual component that would be different than say working with a therapist or someone in the conventional field of psychology and therapy. And I'm the person that's more into the holistic, I'm very open to other ideas. And the work that we've done with you in the last seven months has been so rewarding for me that I want to continue. And I also want to offer the support to our listeners who might also benefit from the work that you do. Um, can you explain to us just for people who might not be in uh, familiar with these uh, two programs that you're trained in? So the Big Leap Coaches Program, and also you lightly touched on Hendrix and Conscious loving. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And then we will move forward into more details about it. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I also happen to be the enrollment consultant for the Hendrix Institute. <laughs> so I, I definitely have the information. So the Big Leap Coach, what that's based on is Gay Hendricks wrote a book called The Big Leap. And, and it's really about how we can expand our capacity for love, abundance, creativity every day and to inspire others to do the same. And so the whole program of becoming a Big Leap Coach is really about that. It's about learning tools. Um, I like to think of it as the how of consciousness. So learning these tools on how to live practical tools that we can actually express in the world the way we want to. So Big Leap Coaches learn how to do that. And then we were super fortunate to be able to be in a program called the Leadership and Transformation Program, which no longer exists. We got in pretty much at, at the, the end, end yeah. yeah, at the tail end. And uh, I don't know if you want to share a little bit about what you experienced as that. Oh, well, so much. Uh, what I experienced the most is how much fear I was always in. Hmm. You know, I I thought, well, I grew up, a, you know, I'm an Asian man and we don't get, in men in general, you know, we don't get scared and we don't get angry. 
You know, my big one was I don't get scared or sad. And so not even knowing that I was scared probably all the time. Mm. And so because it was, you know, I talk about working out and why I worked out a lot was because I was anxious and I didn't know what to do with it. So I would work out and yeah, I could work out for two hours and I'd feel great. And I'd get out of gym like, oh yeah, I'm feeling good. And then 10 minutes later, all the fear and worries all come back and like, now what do I do? Go back working out. (laughs) And it just gets tiring after a while. So learning how to recognize my body intelligence so I can connect it with my big brain and have a whole body experience. Oh, it was magic, magical to really feel, actually just to learn Mm -hmm. how to feel my feelings. Yeah. It's a Mm -hmm. big, big change for me. And that particular program, we were like apprentices. So we would be in seminars and the leadership and transformation participants would be supporting the training. And so getting to learn how to guide others in the tools. And so that was a big part of our learning. And so Mm -hmm. the Big Leap Coach program continues And we're just fortunate to be able to ripple the other work out into the world. Yes. And so speaking of that, of how you are now sharing um, more of the the work that you're doing to a a broader audience, in a sense, you're reaching more people. You were holding your programs, I'm assuming, in person, and then the pandemic hit and Mm. you had to transform or pivot like many people to this virtual world. Is that how it worked out for you? Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. We, we were at at first scared. Like I imagine everyone else was, how are we going to have a business? We're Dean's a fitness coach. He works with people in person. And, um, we were able to really land on our feet and realize how many people needed us more than ever, uh, Mm -hmm. as coaches and for support, especially relationships, relationships, really the, um, there was a lot of pressure that began to happen for couples who weren't used to being home, uh, families who weren't Mm -hmm. used to being home together, um, all day and trying to figure out school for kids and, um, just even partners being able to be together to that degree really increased our work. So we wound up working as more than ever. We, of course, started offering online programs. We started coaching online and it really was, it expanded our reach. We've worked with a couple in West Africa. We we worked with people all over the world and that was super exciting. Not something that we thought would happen for us. So that was definitely one of those gifts that came out of a very challenging time. Yeah, even for my um, fitness, you know, I I can Zoom. I'm like, I was uh, very against it at the beginning of like, I like to be in person with people. Like, I don't want to look at a screen. And as I released that, then clients started showing up. And I was okay. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is not too bad. I don't have to go anywhere. I can just sit down in front of my computer and 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 coach them and, mm-hmm. and uh, create fitness programs for them. So... It did turn out to be a, a blessing, hmm. even though it did. I mean, a blessing for us, but yeah. <laughs> in a bigger picture, you know, not, yes. not so much. Yeah. 2020 really brought up a lot for me. I feel like I keep saying that, but I think it's also important because I'm sure I'm not the only one that mm-hmm. suddenly was faced with things, you know, still with um, emotional kind of uh, trauma and things that are keeping me stuck. Um, and I remember... At first, initially thinking when everything started to shut down, I remember thinking, ah, 
now I can relax mm. because I was so burned out. Actually, mm. Riz and I was, were very burned out and exhausted from doing too much. Mm. So I was enjoying initially the time off. And then as the numbers grew and things got even worse, um, the panic and the anxiety started to kick in. Um, so I put a lot of energy into the podcast and hoping to provide support for other people as well who were dealing with um, these, uh, especially because I felt like we abandoned our community since we w mm. stopped doing uh, community events. Mm. So, yes, one of those gifts uh, is um, becoming aware of where I still need to work in my own life. And so having to slow down and not uh, doing as much in person like I was kind of got me to thinking like, oh, well, I'm always preaching lifestyle medicine. I'm always talking about plant-based nutrition. Like I'm trying to encourage people to be healthy, but how am I doing in the department of relationships? Mm. You know, and prior to meeting risk, I thought I was doing pretty good. <laughs> Because I was on the spiritual path. I was doing my work. I was going to workshops. I thought I was doing it all. But when you're by yourself, it's pretty okay. You know, yeah. you, you don't face a lot of obstacles when you're avoiding them, which is what <laughs> I was doing. Right. Yeah. So um, I thought I was doing fine. And, and I now things have become more clear that I'm really being challenged by taking the tools that I had in the past. And I didn't apply them. I threw them out the window until mm -hmm. I met you. And now I'm adding back to it. Now I'm what I feel awake again. And mm -hmm. I guess you would say conscious of what I'm doing and a little bit more deliberate about how I'm behaving with my partner. So I said all of that to ask mm -hmm. when you're working with couples, what are some of those common challenges? Because I'd like for our listeners to kind of have an idea of how you work with people and how maybe you work with us. So people come to you, whether they're individuals or couples, and they're dealing with something. There's a challenge or a struggle that's preventing that closer, non-judgmental love to exist. What are some of those struggles that you see? Mm, yeah. Do you want to? Yeah. Yeah. No, you, go. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, who, who, who wants to say this? <laughs> so, well, one of the most common issues that comes up for couples is that we all go through a phase in relationship when we first meet, when our biology is connecting us, it's wanting us to merge with this person. And so there's all kinds of hormones going, there's all kinds of good feelings going. And it was designed this way so that human beings could continue to exist. This is a good thing. What is new is that we're staying together. Couples are wanting to form a relationship based not just on biology, not just on creating uh, children or whatever that might be, but actually to develop relationships that are about uh, holding uh, uh, each other's highest and best and and helping each other be creative in the world and all of those amazing things that we can do when we go into our higher thinking brain. And uh, when we're, yeah, and when we're having a good time, right? Well, what happens for our brain though, is that our brain wants to regulate, uh, it automatically wants to regulate the person that we're with. They, it, it's Our brain doesn't want to work hard, right? So our brain loves habit. This is why it's so hard to create good habits when we have habits that are not working for us right? There's, uh, our brain is actually wanting to conserve energy. And so what it starts to do is it starts to make up a picture. Like I'm looking at Dean right now, and my brain made up a picture of what Dean does 
uh, on the daily and what is normal behavior. And so when Dean does something a little outside of that, my brain takes that in as danger. And so what begins to happen is we start to trigger each other. And what magically seems to be the case with human beings is that we resonate in towards the familiar. And the familiar is not always a good thing. Some of us have grown up in very traumatic households. I don't think anyone gets through childhood without trauma, regardless of what household you grew up in. Uh, We are in a community where there's things that can happen. So what happens is we get imprinted and of what relationship means, what relationship, what's normal, what is a relationship for? And, And so what starts to happen after that phase of coming together is a lot of triggering each other, a lot of scaring each other. And um, yeah, so I'll pause there to see if you had any questions about that in particular. Uh, The word imprinting really stands out and it makes a lot of sense. I always, I tend to think of programming, the programming that I bring into the relationship or to any experience, but imprinting really paints a great picture for me. And it makes a lot of sense that I come in this way, expecting you to kind of, I don't know, be in my head. Like, yeah. think like me, read my mind. how I expect you to be. Yeah, I, I like, why aren't you exactly the way that I expect you to be? Is that kind yes. of what happens? Yes, that's very much what happens. And so then if it's like a cascade of opening up old habits. So I don't know if you want to speak to some of the things that happened in, I would say, in our relationship. Yeah, for me, it brought up a lot of fear of... Um, for me, like showing up in my relationship, am I showing up? And then I get, or am I being all that I can be? Can I be fully who I am with this person? And then often I get scared and people get scared. Like, can I really be who I am with this person? <laughs> and so learning that we're both going to get triggered and we both are going to be in fear was a big deal to really like recognize like, yes, we're going to be in fear together and we're going to have triggers. So now what can we do? And so really, you know, being open, first of all, both of us being both partnership, being open to learning and discovering new things is really the first step. Mm -hmm. You can't just pull, Mm -hmm. you can't pull one partner or or the other, pull the other to, to become Mm -hmm. one. You have to both be in a conscious direction to want a relationship that's going to be loving and thriving and having fun. Yes. And having fun. Exactly. Yeah. So so that's, yeah, go ahead, Maya. Well, one thought that I had as you were speaking about how we're imprinted is that, and only through working with you have I discovered this. I'm very much like my father in this particular way. I think in many ways, I'm like both parents. Like I downloaded their ways and yeah. created myself. Mm-hmm. I remember that we, you know, it was a family of six, four girls, and we would have dinner together. And my father was a man of few words. And he would sit there, have dinner, and you mingle a little bit after dinner. You're either having coffee, but you're still there at the table. And my father would just get up and he was ready to go work in his tool shed or in his, you know, he was always working on a project. That's what my father was, which is part of what I admire about him is how dedicated he is. He had all sorts of hobbies 
and things that intrigued him, but very limited time when it came to spending time with us. Mm. And as I think back, I had that sort of way of being where my husband comes home, I sit next to him, we watch television, we have dinner. I'm thinking, I'm here, I'm present, I'm here for you. But there isn't that connection that is happening. Mm -hmm. And I guess we'll talk about things that we do. Maybe we'll talk about things that we do that cause that conflict. But right now you're describing just how we kind of trigger each other not knowing these things. So I could be triggering my partner by being disconnected or being an avoidant Mm -hmm. and had no idea that what I was doing, I thought I was being loyal individual next, you know, (laughs) I'm there for my partner. So do we want to talk more about how we trigger each other? Or do we want to talk about how you work with couples to get past those challenges? Well, I was just thinking about a concept that's really tells the whole story of this. And one of the things that we like to share with couples, when we're introducing the idea that we're creating, so I'll back that up. So when we're introducing the idea that we are the creator of our experience. So this is a different way of thinking about things. When we look at it and say, oh, well, I feel triggered because of your behavior. Well, you're doing this and I would be okay if you weren't doing this. Mm -hmm. And one of the big transformational moves is to recognize that I actually chose you of the billions of people in the world. I chose you to be my partner. And what's that about? And Katie Hendricks calls that central casting. So I like to think of it as a script in our play. And so, you know, I'm going to put man who will tell me that I'm too much, too loud. This was an old script I used to run. And yeah, too much and too loud. So I'm going to find the man. So here, that's your role. And then you might have a role for me. I'm looking for a woman that is controlling and is going to tell me what to do all the time. Right. And so, and then there, and so now I've got, so I've got my role, he's got his role. And fortunately, these are roles that we didn't play with each other, but we played in the past in relationships. And by the time we got together, we had learned about ourselves and learned about these aspects of ourselves. Like for me, I needed to actually accept myself as someone who's vibrant and passionate, how someone else might call loud. That's actually who I am. I like to say I'm I'm an Italian from New Jersey and I have a strong personality. So what I actually landed in is, oh, I actually am, I'm available to have a relationship with someone who loves all of me. And so the amazing, miraculous thing is we don't have to go to another relationship to find that. We can actually create that within our relationship once we wake up to the fact that we're actually creating something in the first place. That if I start loving myself, Dean will pick up on that vibe and he'll see that that's what I'm available for. I'm available to be loved in in my full self. And then I'll start picking up on the vibe that Dean doesn't want to be controlled. He actually wants to, he's a whole person and I can see him as whole and I can begin to. So we start to treat each other differently because of how we're actually showing up. So does that make sense? So that's something that we love to work with couples with. Yeah, so different than what you see in the media and on television shows and reality shows where Mm. people behave like victims and attack other people and 
there's that public humiliation and the anger mm-hmm. outbursts, angry outbursts and things like that. And that's sort of what I think many people are being programmed to believe that this is the way we solve problems, or at least this is the way we should react when mm-hmm. we're triggered. And so putting that aside, I mean, when it comes to just conventional therapy or at least experience that I've had in the past, a lot of times you stay stuck in the story. So you Mm. talk, whether it's working in the same room with your partner, you start doing the whole finger pointing. Well, my partner did this and this and that, Mm -hmm. which is a tendency that I have, which is I want to tell on him. This is what he did. (laughs) You know, and that's what we do. And so what you're doing is you're teaching us to take responsibility for our own selves, which is very difficult for me to stay in my own lane. Very difficult. Mm -hmm. But yes, it's making sense in terms of how you're saying that when we become aware that there's this higher purpose, this wonderful gift that we have of partnering with someone who will then help us to grow. And we become aware of why we chose that person and we become aware of where our triggers lie, then that's where the power lies for our own individual experience. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And I was just thinking about the other key move, which is totally related to what we're talking about, which is to move from blame and criticism (laughs) to seeing one another as allies. And Mm. I recently had someone who was asking me, well, what does that mean? How do I see someone as ally when they're hurting me, when I see them as hurting me, right? It can be really confusing. And it really is a twist of, it's like a shift of, of thinking, from this idea of, like you said, victim, right, into creator mm-hmm. energy. Hmm, if I'm creating my experience, then I can see you and everything you're doing as for me. And I can see that it's an opportunity for my learning. I can also learn my no and my yes. And this is something that I know we wanted to talk about today, which is our holding back maybe and not telling our truth to each other Mm -hmm. and how damaging that can be to relationship and what it's like to be real and honor our own inner yeses and nos. Yes. I think the most difficult thing that I discover early on in my marriage is that we are both people pleasers. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think anyone that knows us knows that about us. (laughs) We're like, yeah, we'll say yes. We don't want to hurt people. And the other thing is the fear of saying no, of setting your strong boundaries and just standing your ground and saying, well, I have to do what's best for me. It's okay. But so you're not saying a harsh no. You're just trying to find a way that you can work without compromising your own self. So yes, boundaries are a thing that I always want to kind of talk about. So when you're initially at the beginning of a relationship, you're on your best behavior. So so you're in the honeymoon phase. So everything's a yes, nothing annoys you. Although, and as a result, we don't address the little things along the way that can add up. So then we get stuck. Okay. So then what do we do once we get stuck? We come to you and you (laughs) teach You teach us about boundaries. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think one of the things is to get support. One of the things that has always made our mentor, Katie Hendricks, sad is how people reserve going for support, couple support for when there's problems. Instead of actually seeing that we take our car for a tune up, we go to the (laughs) dentist to get preventative dental care to take care of, but we don't do anything for our relationships. We think we have to manage it by ourselves. 
And having outside perspective is so supportive, especially when we get a little bit entangled with each other, which is what's mine, what's yours? Am I, oh, am I being too controlling or am I not actually speaking up? Like it can be really sticky to know where we're at. So to have someone else to be able to support us in that is amazing. Mm -hmm. And there are so many resources for people who don't feel ready or don't have the resources to have a coach. There's so many amazing resources out there to learn about how to have a conscious relationship, how to speak with each other, right? From a place of 100% responsibility. responsibility. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I just spoke about that earlier, which I'm really glad you brought that up about the 100% responsibility because Mm -hmm. one of the Gay Hendrix moves is when you're doing this, pointing pointing and blaming at someone to point that finger back at yourself. Mm -hmm. Hmm, How am I creating this issue? How am I keeping this going on? And so really taking that responsibility was huge for me because, yeah, I was definitely a it's your fault. You didn't do this. Then and like, oh, when I had to do that to myself, like, how am I doing that? Mm, Ooh, right. <laughs> how am I keeping this going? Ooh. So it was really uh, eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that. a powerful move. And I want listeners to understand that when Dean's saying that, he means that with love and yeah. wonder. Yes. <laughs> Not, And you can hear it in your voice, but mm-hmm. I wanted to make, I just wanted to be clear about that because that's something that it's not about turning that finger around and blaming ourselves mm-hmm. because that's the biggest problem. We're either pointing our finger out or pointing our yes. finger in. Our inner critic is another whole, we could talk for hours <laughs> about that, right? Our inner critics. And so I just wanted to point that that out. And I love that because bringing that finger back towards ourselves, getting curious, Mm. opening up to wonder. That's one of the things you were just asking about. Mm. How can we shift? Well, we can shift from blame to, hmm, I wonder what's really going on here. I wonder what I really want. Hmm. Hmm. And it just opens Mm. up a whole space. And in fact, I know, Maya, you've learned a little bit about the vagus nerve and hmm actually mm, connects yeah. with it relaxes mm. and calms the vagus nerve which is mm. one of the fear systems that we have when it gets tripped when our vagus nerve gets tripped i don't know a whole lot of the science of it but i know just enough to mm. say that hmm mm. is calming so i would encourage your listeners right now to try mm. that out for yourself right now just mm. Mm. create a pleasant Mm, sound. You might even mm. put your hand on your chest mm. and feel the vibration of the hmm. You know, for thousands of years in spiritual traditions, people have mm. made yeah om sounds. They've made sounds with humming, and I think it's fascinating and amazing to see that there's science now to show that that actually calms the nervous system, that it creates openings, it creates connections for us. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the ways that we can presence the fear that's going on, because like you mentioned before, it's going to happen or the honeymoon phase is going to end. And we're going to come into this new space that actually can become a celebratory phase, which can last forever. So we can move into something that's so much deeper. And I don't know what the other word is. I guess it's just deeper relationship than our honeymoon time, which in times, like you said, we forget ourselves, right? We sort of like, don't notice the thing. We might not speak up about something (laughs) little by little by little things are adding up. Well, in Mm -hmm. the celebratory phase, we are 
full on being honest, 100% transparent. We're being taking responsibility and we're creating magic together. So that's possible for all relationships. I love that. I thought I was on the right track early on in my relationship. And one of my conditions was that we do the work, that we just do the work. And we did for the first couple of years or so, and then life happened. And so a few years ago, I picked up this book that addresses love busters. And we just kind of briefly talked about that. And so I picked it up again. I picked up some books that I've had for a while that I had not visited. And now that we're doing work with you, now everything just kind of really makes sense. And coming to a place where you're coming from a place of wonderment or wondering what is going on really helps. And I can tell when we have that, the movement and the uh, fear melters in during our sessions, it helps us to get out of that fight or flight kind of mentality where you want to just be pointing fingers and fight mm-hmm. and just kind of, I love that I can see my husband as an ally. Mm. And and it comes and it goes because we're still working through some of our issues. But I love that I'm beginning to have a new perspective on all of it. And I have found myself a couple of times saying, how did I create this? How am I creating this? And it is hard, Michelle, because I do tend to point the finger at myself as well. Mm. But when I take a few steps back and see how things led up to this point, then I can see my responsibility. Like I can see the role that I played in what I created. So I wanted to ask you as well, I wonder if we can talk about then, I have my notes and really it's mm-hmm. more like from our session, things that you've sent. Oh, um, okay, cool. Yeah, I have one of the things, one of the tools that you have taught us, the difference in how we communicate with our partner. And this is the blame talk versus conscious heart talk. Oh, nice. Which... I'm going to read a couple of examples, and then I'd love to know why is it so hard for us to talk like this with our partners. Um, But here's an example when, say, I address my partner and I say, why were you flirting all night at the party? (laughs) I could come from a different place and say, I got scared when I saw you talking in the corner. Or you never talked to me about your feelings, as opposed to, I wonder what feelings I'm withholding. I notice I'm focusing on your withholding. And so many times when I'm, as you're teaching us how to communicate what's Mm -hmm. going on within us without finger pointing, you always ask us to kind of check in and see how we are feeling. Can we talk a little bit about that? That most of us have come from a place of either feeling sad or scared or anything like that. Can you give our listeners an example of why it is or why is it that we have a hard time sitting down with our partner and just being honest about how we're feeling? Mm. Yeah, I was thinking of you sharing about how you didn't recognize fear, you know, feelings inside of you. Yeah. And that's a really good point. And Katie has taught us about the different feelings that we don't express, you know, the anger, scared, sad, happy. And For me, angry and scared was big. So it can be very triggering for me if Michelle says, I feel angry. Can we talk about something? If I I was to say that, you mean? So if she's saying that to me, I get scared. You know, like, because, and all she's doing is expressing a feeling. I feel angry, da, 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 da. Oh, I'm scared already. I'm like, ah. And so learning to 
I forgot my thought here. Oh, that's okay. So maybe backing <laughs> up what I was thinking yeah. more you could share is how you didn't recognize that right. you were having feelings. Yeah. And so by learning what your body sensations are yes. with those feelings, maybe like Thank your you. jaw and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, so we'll rewind there a little bit. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that I, yeah, I want to add that I, because I'd like for you to share that for sure. And it's that I too didn't realize that I'm afraid of being confronted. So when someone asks to talk to me, my anxiety goes up and yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah. And yeah. I think so it's you because can I'm bring afraid of in. being I wrong. Think- yeah, I guess I'm afraid of being that little girl that did something wrong. Like yeah, I don't want to exactly. be wrong and I don't necessarily want to be perfect. I don't even know how people say that. I don't know. I don't strive to be perfect, but I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> How's that? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, what you just brought yeah, up yeah, is so did. amazing because the perfectionist, like you don't want to be perfect but there's an aspect of you that does want to be perfect, that thinks you have to be perfect. (laughs) Yeah. I have one of my, I guess you could call it a trigger, but one of the hurts I have from the past is feeling like I'm going to get in trouble. And it's very deep in me that I'm going to get in trouble. I did it. Did I make a mistake? Making a mistake actually was terrifying for me because somehow that means that I'm going to get in trouble and I don't even know where that comes from. So that was really strong in me. So that's something that's a beautiful thing to presence. I think you had a the very same different. Thing. Oh, okay. Actually, almost now that you're speaking about mm. it, I had the same thing as a child with my dad <sighs> from anger, you know, like, and then I'd be scared because he might not be loud in anger, but he was certainly facially and the way he spoke felt very angry to me. And so I would just shut down. And so anytime anger is brought up, well, I feel angry, I get scared. Even Mm -hmm. if she's not, she's not exploding or anything. She just has some little upset Mm -hmm. and she's just speaking, speaking from the truth, really being Mm -hmm. honest, the unarguable truth. She's Mm -hmm. saying, I'm feeling angry that I left socks on the chair. And it could be simple as that, but just hearing Mm -hmm. anger. Except that would be me. (laughs) leave his socks on the chair that's me but just hearing the word word anger and then and i think what you're saying earlier about for me learning that my tight jaw that i've had for my whole life was anger that i wasn't even i didn't even notice that i had that feeling of anger and it was all in my jaw and usually you know neck and shoulders but mine was in my jaw and it was just so tight all the time and until working with Katie and Gay and learning from them and how to recognize that and do, you know, we talk about fear melters, and I guess we'll talk about that, and how it really loosened my my jaw. And I was like, wow, I had a lot of anger <laughs> that I didn't express. And um, so that was the, for me, being, you know, learning fear melters was a huge, another huge shift. Yeah. And I just want to say before we talk about fear melters, that one of the big moves is to start to recognize what our body sensations are Mm -hmm. telling us. So another body sensation. So anger, like Dean mentioned, shoulders and neck. If you have shoulders and neck that's tight, your jaw, that tends to be the anger zone. Our stomachs, just like how people talk about butterflies in your stomach, our stomachs tend to be the fear zone. Mm -hmm. Um, our chest and our throat tend to be, when we have sensations there, tend to be attached to sadness. And we all experience joy in different ways. I know that for me, I can feel, and in fact, 
uh, one of my favorite things to do is to see how I can recognize my inner yes and no by recognizing the sensations. So what I notice is love and joy feel like a great big yes to me. And so how does that feel in my body? So just right now, take a moment to think of someone or some place that you know you love and let yourself be in the feelings of that. What does that feel like in your body when you start to think about that person or place? And I notice for me, my chest opens a little bit. I get some spaciousness. It feels like openness. And I correlate that with how I can tell when something's a yes for me. There's an opening, there's spaciousness. And now we'll just take a, a little journey to know. Think of a recent upset just for a moment or two. So think of a recent upset and notice what happens in your body when you think of that upset. Do you get any body signals? And I know mm -hmm. for me, it feels the opposite of the yes, I feel a constriction inside of me. I might feel a little mm -hmm. flip in my belly, or I might actually, if I'm angry, I might have some tightness, but whatever mm -hmm. it is, it's a contraction. And so what fear melters do, and these were created by Katie Hendricks, and what they are, are a, a way of moving out of the four ways that we take in fear. So we'll be brief in this. And if you want to learn more about it, you can Google it and uh, or, or, or subscribe to our um, email list. And we share all the time tools about how you can experience fear and move that fear through. But there's four ways we take in fear. It's a freeze, a flee, a fight, and a faint. And the four fear melters are movements that help us to presence the fear and move the fear through. So we'll just pick one of them. So fight, since you brought up fight. So go ahead and, and show how you or tell about how you use the fear melter of ooze. Yeah. So for our listeners, get in the, any recent upset, like how do you argue back or fight back? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily physically, but, you know, you can put your hands up and or you can have your jaw sticking out a little bit. Or it can be very subtle where you can just be looking at someone with very angry eyes <laughs> or like Ooh. that nod, you know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so just feel what feels that feels for you as far as when you get fighty. And so the the move to to get out of anger is called ooze. And so what you want to mm. do is it's just ooze like your seaweed in the mm. ocean. So your shoulders and really make it big and so you can feel it in your chest and your arms can be out to the side. You can also imagine if you had balloons tied to your arms and they're just floating around. Like mm. so just it's insert and it's a slow movement. It's not a quick wiggle, you know, it's an easy movement. And Katie will remind us it takes at least two minutes to start feeling a shift, especially if you're really angry about something. It takes at least two minutes of just moving, oozing around, uh, and then make sure you're oozing your jaw. I know for me, because it's tight jaw. <laughs> That's <so> your biggie. <laughs> moving your jaw around. If you can't see me, you can hear me talking and oozing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so. And it's hard to maintain the constriction of anger 
when you're Mm -hmm. moving like an ooze, it feels a little goofy in my body. And I know that that right away starts to melt some of the fear and it, and fear melters are a little weird at first. Um, that's how, that's how I experienced them. And what I noticed is that they work. And I'm glad Maya, you mentioned that it's been supportive to you to move your body. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, so yeah, so I, I, I want to pause there and just see if there's anything that you want to move into. As we have gone through our sessions and gotten to know you a little bit more and done exercises, it's become very apparent to me that I experience these ways where these kinds of fears, I, so I have my sheet as well for that. Yeah, 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 great. great. And I was circling um, and I, I went through the list and circled each one to see which one stands out the most. And it's like, I fall into all of them. So I don't know which one, but freezing in the sense that, um, mm-hmm. so I, I wanted to add to what you were saying yeah, is, um, I tend to freeze and I want to flee and I, and I feel like I'm going to faint. It's all the different kinds of fears, but, mm-hmm. um, what I've noticed that when I'm confronted, and this is not just like my partner or anything like that, but just in general, mm-hmm. I leave my body. I feel like I'm gone. Like I leave my body. I'm scared. I freeze. I don't know what to say because I don't want to aggravate the situation. And I don't stand up for myself. I don't stand up for myself and I don't defend myself. And I shrink like a raisin, like I shrink, I go inside and I hide. And so these ways of releasing the fear and recognizing what is happening inside of me is helping me to feel more comfortable in who I am. I think it's helping my self-esteem as well because it's happening in my body. That's right. And, you know, I, I always try to solve everything from a place of, um, analyzing, (laughs) (laughs) analyzing and trying to figure out, you know, I've said the whole thing about, you know, just being very curious having had a, you know, um, a psych major, but also just always read those materials from that perspective. So I'm always in the head, in my mind, yeah. trying to figure things out to think that it's happening mm-hmm. in my body and that I can support my body so that the rest of me can be freed up from it is wonderful. Oh. I no wonder you see sometimes artists and people who are, you know, dancers are so much more relaxed in general mm. and laid mm-hmm. back. I don't know if that's true. That's what they appear to be like people who are expressive with art in other ways, like artists, I feel are a lot more open because they're, it, I don't know if it's a thing of flowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, so, it's true. Yes. Actually, I, I noticed something recently that I was doing a lot of oozing and I thought, well, I don't, I don't experience a lot of anger. And I was thinking, I uh, used to a lot, um, but that's not, it doesn't tend to be one that shows up a lot in my life. Uh, and so I started to really get curious about that. And what popped into my head is that my body is in a fight because I'm standing in front of a computer or sitting in front of a computer for so many hours now. Mm -hmm. That's not something that I used to do. And so especially since COVID, this is my life. And so I recognize that my body is actually in a fight. And, And so I think I love that you brought up how recognizing it was good for your self-esteem to recognize your body was doing a thing that, Mm -hmm. that defies logic. And I think that's the part when you said about analyzing, 
That mm-hmm. was me. Figure everything out. Well, fear is not logical. And so <laughs> if we're trying to figure out fear or move through fear from a place of logic, we're in trouble. So mm-hmm. this is this is like for me, it's a signal when when things don't make sense. Mm-hmm. I get curious. I get curious okay. and I and I look at hmm. Either it's the universe doing something magical or I'm in, or I'm in fear. Right. One or the other. Exactly. And so I yeah, and so that's the thing. Then I get curious and see what what's and, up. And so um Dean, one of the exercises that one of the fear melters, I guess, that you had me do uh, which I thought was a little funny is that sumo pose, like the sumo yeah. wrestler. When mm-hmm. I, I tend to want to run away from conflict. So I want to yeah. leave, uh, mm-hmm. it, especially if I fear that a situation is going to escalate my, I, I need to feel safe. And how do I feel safe? I need to leave. <laughs> so, um, but again, that's a story that I'm telling myself. I find mm-hmm. I'm telling the story based on past trauma that this situation is exactly like the one from my past. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, one of the things that you, uh, said, if you, if you want to kind of demonstrate what, um, a sumo yeah. position looks like and why we would want to do that if it, yeah. if we tend to want to flee. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that's a good one because I know I like to flee too. So, <laughs> so, so sumo, you can call it mountain, you can call it a tree. Where, uh-huh. So the sumo, you're going to you know, get a wide stance, you put your hands on your knees and you just kind of crouch down and, mm, you just, and you bounce a little. So you feel yourself grounded to the ground, like I'm not going anywhere. Like, here I am. Here I am. You can also imagine yourself as a mountain where everything is just solid. You see a mountain, you're like, wow, it's solid. Just like, oh, here I am. And then there's other ways that I like to play with it, too. Is So if you're standing up and you go up on your toes and you just drop down. So this mm-hmm. way, if you're in public, you know, you, yeah, you can do you can do a sumo and people are like, oh, what, is, what are they doing? <laughs> or you can just stand there and just give a little drop. So you just go up on your tippy toes and drop down and, mm-hmm. and just imagine your feet growing roots into mm-hmm. the earth. And mm-hmm. it also helps for me anyway, when I do that, it kind of jolts me to like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. I'm not going to go away. I'm not going anywhere. And yes. ah, here I am. So yes. yeah, there's a few ways to play with that when uh, you're out in public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what right. we like to talk about. Mini melters. So yeah, I'm mini glad melters, you brought yes. that up because there's ways like oozing doesn't have to be your whole body moving like seaweed. It can actually just be your wrists. And so you can move your fingers around slowly. Mm-hmm. And since we did two of the fear melters, we can take you through the, you mentioned faint that sometimes you, or actually freeze first, right? So you freeze first. So when we freeze, it's like, think about uh, if a loud noise happens and your body just jolts and goes tight and usually we lose our breath. So, yeah. And so when that happens, we can use a wiggle. So it's just wiggle your fingers and toes wiggle your shoulders a little bit. So this one's a faster movement than the ooze. So it's a little Mm -hmm. bit of a quicker movement. And it's, it's, if you think about animals who, uh, are, have uh, an enemy, like someone chasing them, right. And they stop and they don't move. And then they do this big shake off, 
right? Mm-hmm. And and so it's kind of like that. Yeah. So you can think of yourself as an animal wiggling something off. And and then the the uh, faint, which is a, a fear response that not a lot of people talk about. Um, and it's so common. And it's really when everything goes fuzzy and we feel, we might feel stupid. We might, huh? I don't know. Huh? What? What? What, happened? what just what? happened? It's just that feeling of disconnection that we have. So we get disconnected from ourselves. We d- get disconnected from the people around us. And so what Katie Hendricks created was the love scoop. And I love this, where mm-hmm. we can imagine an energy field around us that is pure love. And that's easy for me as a spiritual practitioner. I believe that, that we are surrounded by energy and that energy is for us and is love. And we can reach out into that field of energy and bring it into our hearts or into our shoulders if our shoulders are needing some love. And really use your whole body. Like really reach out. Yes. Because we're, 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 um, Mm-hmm. What are we doing? There's like there? an abundance said, of yeah, love. Oh, there. right, right. The, um, yeah. So when we're in a faint, yeah. we're in a, a passive state. Right. So we <laughs> want to make our love scoops active so that we're reactivating our brain and coming back. And you can mix mm-hmm. up all the fear melters and do them all at the same time. A sumo mm-hmm. love scoop is wonderful. Mm-hmm. A sumo mm-hmm. ooze works. All of them can work together. And a lot of people will ask, well, what if I do the wrong fear melter? Doesn't matter. As long as you're moving, you're going to actually right. activate something. So uh, these yeah. are also yeah. really what's important about fear melters too is to practice. Mm-hmm. So one thing's always suggested is to practice in the morning when you're not in fear. So to mm. do like fear melter dances for two or three or four minutes. That way your body recognizes what you're doing. So what because when you are in fear. Most times you're not going to know what to do, you're going because once you're in fear, it's all it's all that's it's all right. Gone. All bets are <laughs> off. It's all gone. Yeah, it's gone. So practicing it while you're conscious, your body will start moving. Or well, that's what I've noticed when I right. start to become you know get in fear, then I'll start. Oh, let me just you're creating a habit. Yeah, creating yes. a habit. Oh, I see. Is there fun. so I I wanted to ask you about um. Since well, they, before I, I I do that, you did uh, you um, our last session with you. You guided us sort of to revisit uh, this year, twenty twenty one, and to look at it in segments of quarters, the first quarter, second quarter, like that. And so, um, as we visited each quarter, you sort of played this very soothing music, had us walk around again because we're using the body intelligence, we're, we're checking in with our body. And you had us just kind of reflect on what happened throughout the year. Um, and then at the end of each quarter, as we visited, you had us release the things that we no longer wanted to hold on to, and then mm-hmm. to keep the things that we wanted to keep. And for me, doing these physical body exercises um, are very significant. Like I really take that in, like my spirit really likes that. And mm-hmm. um, I was revisiting and I thought of things that happened, things that were painful throughout the year. My sister ended up at the hospital, mm-hmm. um, like 10 family members got COVID all from a mm-hmm. gathering, just mm-hmm. things that happened, disappointments and pains and things like that. 
But then the things that I held on to seemed to stand out even more. Mm. And how amazing if we could just kind of do that every year or every whatever segment of, of, of time that we want to focus on is to look at life and and let go of the things that no longer work for us and that we don't want to hold on to, leave it in the past and then hold on to those beautiful things. And as I was doing that, because you had us bring it in, I think we did love scoops, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For that one. Yeah. As I was doing the um the last quarter, I kind of had tears because I thought to myself, ah, oh, there's so much love that's coming into my life. Why don't I focus on that? Like, that's what I need to be doing. And, uh, you know, so much support that's coming into my life and I'm attracting the right people and things are happening and things in my life are improving. And this exercise is helping me to focus on that, but to all, also kind of harvest it. Like, I guess I'm harvesting it yeah. and into my experience. And mm-hmm. these little exercises are so significant. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I had ever heard of these things before I met you. Mm. Um, I was also wondering if how differently do you work with individuals, people that are not necessarily in partnerships? How different is that as opposed to working with couples? Well, I think the main thing is that when we bring couples together, what Dean mentioned earlier is that in order to have the coaching be successful, we have to have a shared goal. So the couple has to have a shared goal. Well, when you're working with an individual, they have their own whatever it is that they're wanting. And so it's it's a way and and actually what can be very powerful as you experience is to have a coach for yourself as an individual and then have a, a relationship coach where you're focusing on on the couple. And mm-hmm. uh it's not always necessary and it depends on what's coming up, but I think something that you noticed is when you were really getting into some of your trauma, it was very supportive for you to be able to have someone who is there just for you. Mm-hmm. And and I so for me, that's what I would say is that having working with individuals, it's um, uh, one of the things that I love is that, uh, and I would say this is part of just what's natural for me is to see through to essence. And when I'm working with an individual that's something that's very, that's instantaneous and working Mm -hmm. with a couple, there's a lot of dynamics going on. And so there's a lot more energy. So it's a really different experience and the essence is all there. And I love seeing Mm -hmm. through and seeing, and then seeing, Oh, the essence of the relationship. So I don't know, that's for me, that's what I would say about that. Yeah. I think for me with uh, working with individuals, since I really not focus, but for me, it's my body, a lot of body intelligence. And when I'm with an individual, I can see if they're stiff or if they're not breathing. And so really to get them to move their body and yes. presence their fear, because that's usually where it all starts is they're scared. So, okay, so we need to address that first. Okay, let's yes. get up. Let's do some fear melters. Mm. And really learn, they learn about, oh, wow, I was really scared or. I was angry. And so for me, tuning into that and then and then stepping into other the other parts that they're looking for as far as goals and what they're trying to create. And just like in couples, you know, if they're both sitting there and they're like, like, okay, how about we take a break and just get up or just move your body a little, change your position. That way you get into your body because we tend to, all of us get really rigid when we're doing something mm-hmm. intense it's like okay uh, and so yeah, yeah learning to 
Just move your body in some way. And that's it's sort of like what we were talking about before. When I'm keep when I'm on a computer and I'm like leaned in and I'm typing, my body gets scared because it's not made to do that. It's not made to be contracted. And so it's funny that we haven't talked about breathing, which is right. one of the most I know oh, yes. you would recognize that yes. we always, I would say it's always yes. start a session with some kind of breathing. Um, exercise. So learning how to breathe mm. fully was the game changer <laughs> yes. for both of us. Yeah. And so I used to breathe very shallowly. I breathed up into my chest. And so learning how to take deep belly breaths mm. and have that be how I breathe all the time. Yes. So what a miraculous thing that is to let ourselves have full breath throughout yes. our days. So that's another way that we actually present and move through fear um, and let our body know that we're safe, right? So when we're breathing and we're softening our belly, we're letting our body and our mind know that we're safe, our nervous system, Mm -hmm. know that we're safe here. We're safe here. Mm -hmm. So such, like you said, simple practices that are so miraculous. Yeah, And they really do work. And I kind of want to emphasize again to our listeners that, I mean, the work that we've done with you has been really teaching us how to come from a place of not blaming, but conscious loving um, talk, uh, conscious talk. Did I say that? Conscious loving? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking from the heart or conscious loving, um, knowing how to communicate how we're feeling and then learning to be an ally. And then what I love most about it all is then having agreements once we get mm. past that obstacle mm. or that struggle is making an agreement about it so that we are clear, like this is, this has been important. We've kind of resolved this and this is mm. where we stand. And we do sometimes break those agreements. Like mm-hmm. you said, like the, this, these things will happen, but you're giving us the tools to create a safe space so that we can talk about difficult decisions without attacking and just and and further kind of destroying the relationship and i think that is so Mm -hmm. important um and it becomes less threatening so uh as we said earlier that we have these fears that arise when our partner wants to talk about something that's important we automatically assume or we start running a a story (laughs) in our head about what's going to happen yeah um and so what does 2022 look like for you um are you going to continue to offer services online Mm, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's something yes. that's so fun for us. We have something called Conscious Date Night, which is something that we used to have at our, our home, actually, with local people. Uh, and creating an online version of that is something that we're super excited about. And um, I don't yeah. know if you want to tell a little bit about that. Yeah, the Conscious Date Night is it's not a intense coaching thing. <laughs> it's about tools uh-huh. that's going to connect each other and and just have fun and play and, and really give your give each other your full attention mm. and mm. and just receive and give and it's that's mm-hmm. really what we created it's not about like i said it's not about this intensity of coaching and going deep mm-hmm. it's about just connecting i'm not disconnecting mm. it's about connecting together mm-hmm. and having yes. a good time yeah. so instead of you know watching tv or you know going to a movie you know, hey, come to a date night and the connection with other couples mm-hmm. and sharing yes. the experience is so 
juicy. It's yeah. very, very good. Yeah. It is juicy. And I want to say that coaching doesn't have to be intense, but I oh, know yeah, what, yeah. what Dean was but saying, yes, because does, it, yes. as you know, Maya, sometimes it does get intense and it can go yes. really deep. And then other times it's really playful and easy. Yeah, and yeah. one of the things that we really focus on is having transformation feel easy not having it feel like really hard work. And so that's why we also love conscious date night because it's a time to to do a dose of some uh, giving and receiving of love and play Mm -hmm. uh, while not going so deep. Deep, Uh, Yeah. So that it's, yeah, it's, it's like a little, it's, uh, it's like going out to dinner and having a great time, but on that deeper, deeper level, which is a lot of fun. Right. I want to make sure that I don't forget anything else that you might have coming up next year. So it's the date nights and then more of this with individual clients. And then uh, I almost said Riz. (laughs) Um, Dean, so and also you continue to offer fitness uh, programs, right? Yeah, yeah, that would be great. You know, I have some clients that um, like fitness and coaching. You know, I have clients that I do both. And then I have just a right. traditional coaching and I, I mean, traditional fitness, but I always throw in little seeds in there. And if, if they're, yes. even if they don't, and they don't know it, you know, I just like throw <laughs> right. in little things. Exactly. Um, I also do a uh, 15 minute, like a startup in the mornings. I do where I okay. get you on a phone or like on live and I'll do some mm-hmm. breathing practices, some movement, some intentions for your day. And that's been very powerful for people. Just 15 minutes, kind of just like your get up and go guy, you know, get oh, you wow. going. That's great. So, yes. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I'm just going to. It's like a booster, like that. a boost to your day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And and a lot of it is about learning how to breathe properly. So it's, yes. it's a, a mixture of setting an intention, breathing fully, having, there's a bunch of different breathing mm-hmm. practices that Dean uses. And yeah, I love it. It's a, it's our, I think we used to call it the start program and, and um, yeah, I don't think we have a name for it anymore, but it's a thing that we just do. And uh, yeah, I love that. Um, we're also going to be offering, um, we've had a platform where uh, off of social media that we're really enjoying, which is um, a mighty networks network. And so it's um, Awaken Your Aliveness. And it's a place where we offer videos with the the latest tips we have for relationship. Or like you mentioned, the Blue Zones, we are big followers of the Blue Blue Zones. So how can Mm -hmm. we bring whole health to ourselves and Mm -hmm. to our to our full lives? So Mm -hmm. that's something that we're going to be expanding into um, 2022. So yeah, lots going on. Lots of fun. Yes. And can you share um, with our listeners the best way that they can reach out um, or sign up for any newsletters? So your website, if you're on Facebook, anything like that? Yeah. Well, the best place is to go to our website, uh, which is michelleanddean.com. And my name Mm -hmm. has one L, although the two L works too. (laughs) So it's Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-A-N-D-D-E-A-N.com. And on the homepage, you can um, press the button there and subscribe for our emails. We only send one email a week and it'll let you know of our latest happenings that uh, that are going on and videos that'll be quick tips that you can watch that you can use right away mm-hmm. to create yes. um, joy in your life, in your creativity, in your relationship. Yes. yes. And is there anything else I might have forgotten to ask? Anything else you'd like to mention? Can't think of anything. 
I mean, we didn't talk a lot about agreements, but I think that's okay because you mentioned it and I think that's good. So, yeah. yeah, we'll have to have you back on and hopefully next time Riz can join us so he can add uh, from his perspective what his yeah. experience yeah. has been like. But I, I know that we will continue to work with you next year. And that set, it already has me kind of in a better mood and mm. excited about it all. It's like mm. I'm I feel like I'm growing as a person at my age. <laughs> And I More shouldn't than, say it that way because I can be no, hard on myself. Yeah. But exactly. Don't I, yeah, say that. Yeah. Do it. Do a do over that you're growing yeah. as a person. I, should, I feel like I'm growing as a person. Yeah. And yes. it's always been hard for me to ask for my mm. needs. Mm. And mm. I'm learning that. And the more that right. I learn to do that, the more my self-esteem goes up because yeah. I'm using my voice. I'm speaking yes. up for myself which I wasn't used to doing. So yeah. I'm very happy about that. Oh, that's and wonderful. I'm going to close up basically by inviting our listeners to basically, if you're interested in receiving support and savoring your relationships and living a thriving life, please reach out to Michelle and Dean. There's a reason I brought them on here. I really believe in their work. I think it's really transformational and the tools are practical. They're easy and I love that you guide us, you know, on a weekly basis, you work with us. And so mm. I want to thank you, Michelle and Dean, for being mm. on the show. And it meant a lot to me that mm. you were able to share with our listeners. Oh, it's great thank pleasure. You. Great thank pleasure you, to you, be with you. you. Thank yes. you so much for the work you're doing in the yes. world. So thank you. love it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us to spread our message. Thanks for listening.